0: Welcome to Cook in the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cook in the Books. Normally, at this point, I say this week on the podcast and I introduce someone, but this week's a little bit different. This is the audio taken from a demonstration and a small business talk that I give at the Cordon Blur Academy earlier on this year. I hope everyone gets some value from it. I think you will. I'm hoping you will. That's the reason why I'm doing it. It's just spreading some knowledge, and yeah, I hope you get something from it. I've tried to do this audio about 10 times, I'm not joking and every time it just sounds ridiculous trying to explain why I did it and tell talk about myself, it's really crazy. But anyway, listen, I hope everyone gets this, I hope everyone understands why I put it out, and I hope you get a little bit of value from it. Now, over to the show. Thanks. Thanks for coming. I thought it was gonna be like one person, do you know what I mean? Maybe someone, Tom paid someone to come and watch me, but whatever, I appreciate everyone coming. So yeah, my story is I'm from England, um, like Tom said I worked as a chef for 22 years and had a baby and then I realized that I couldn't work nights anymore so I need to come up with a, a, uh, an exit strategy you hear about exit strategies quite a lot in business right you know like uh, you know uh, startups and these kind of things what's my exit strategy how am I gonna make my money whatever it might be where you never really hear about in, in the hospitality but you get to a certain age and you can't go on it. You can't keep going anymore. You know, your t- legs are tired or whatever it might be. So my other passion was making tureens and pâtés. And I, um, one Christmas, my wife was pregnant. We were just about to have a baby. And I made, the, I made some tureens for the staff at Christmas. And they said, and um, everyone really enjoyed them. They said, oh, you should make them. I said, oh, that's a fucking great idea. I'm looking for an exit strategy. What am I going to do? So I made some, I made one. And uh, I went to Melbourne, South Melbourne Market. I took it to the deli there, Emerald Deli. Lady, I don't know if you know, it's on the corner, it sells loads of deli products. And, um, and I said, do you want to buy this terrine? And she said, how much? I said, you know, $33, $32 a kilo, I think it was. And she said, yeah, I'll buy one. So I, we sold her that one. And then um, the next week she said, call me. So I called her and she said, I said, do you want another one? She said, yeah, I'll take another one. So then we went to another deli. And we try oh well, let's, she's enjoying it let's try another deli so we tried another deli yeah she took it da, 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 da. and now five years on we have nearly 200 customers in in and we worked from a shared kitchen so you can hire kitchens by the hour i don't know if everyone's aware of this we, we you can hire them like 50 dollars an hour and it's a share you but three hours you go in you do your mise en place you create it and then you can distribute it. It's really easy to get into the market that way. You don't have to have high, high capital to, to buy a premises or any of these kind of things. So that's how we started City Larder. That was, it was as simple as that. We bought one, and then we made two, and then we made three, and then we made four, and now we do in excess of 2,000 units a week. So, and that's in, four, in five years on a small team. So what I, wanted to, I want to show you some of the products that we made, some of our best sellers, which is a chicken liver pate. Also the chicken terrine and the, uh, the pistachio terrine. Each one of these has won a gold medal in the Australian Fine Food Awards from Sydney and in Melbourne. The reason that I think, one of the reasons that I enjoy making charcuterie is because it's taking a, a secondary product or a, a less popular product, doing something in the, in the middle and turning it into a premium product. It's fine, it's fine and then turn it into a premium product, which you, you, that, that's the skill you're getting, you're getting money for the skill. And it's a, dying, it's a dying trade right right now, you know? Not many people know how to do that skill. F- figures are one of the most important things, because if, if you're not making money, your business isn't going anywhere. So that's one of the other things I really want to talk about is the importance of making money and not being scared of the word profit. Everyone seems to think there's something wrong with this word that, profit i'm making money the business is making money well that's what we're in this game for that is to make money without that you're screwed so you've always got to be making sure that your prices your margins are right your maths is right your outgoings and your cash flow is right does everyone know what cash flow is so we have a wholesale business and one of the one of the really difficult things on wholesale as opposed to restaurants is it is the cash flow and what's difficult about it is, is terms. So as opposed to a restaurant, you get the terms. You get 14 days, 21 days, 30 days, 15 days end a month, seven days end a month, 30 days end a month. So that means you buy the product on January the 1st. You don't have to pay for that product till January the 20, 21st, 21 days, pretty simple. But meantime, you bought that, you've sold that product. That money's now in the bank. So now you're 21 days positive. You might order, how many times do you order off the butcher? in a week, maybe five times, maybe seven times, depending, you know, five times, three times. Each time that invoice is getting built up, built up, built up, built up. So by the end of that 21 days, you might even owe the butcher 15 grand. Could quite easily, easily own him 15 grand. He, then you only have to pay that first invoice maybe. And then second invoice, third invoice, day after day after day. Does that make sense? They is, is everyone following this? This makes sense. So that, that butcher, is all. you're always gonna owe that butcher $15,000. So where does he get that $15,000 from? And that's where the cash flow problem is. So you have one customer that does that, which is great. Then you have two customers. That's 30 grand. soon starts adding up. And if you're the wholesale customer, how are you then going to keep buying your product in to keep sending your product out if you're not getting the money in? Does that, does everyone, does that make sense? Is everyone aware of this? Is this like a concept that, you, that everyone understands with wholesale businesses? And that's the positive thing about a, about a um, about a restaurant as opposed to a wholesale. That's something that was a real, from coming from restaurants and so working as, uh, in the fact of, you know, just buying, selling, buying, selling, buying, selling, five days, you know, you might buy the fish, comes in on the Monday, by the time you break it down, it's maybe the Tuesday, sell it on the Wednesday, you know, this kind of rotation, you're making your money, it's really, it's quite easy. Apart from wine, we're talking different with wine, beverages, but you get longer term, so it's not even that much of a drama. But regarding the food side, that's what you've got to be looking at. So it's quite easy, but when we got into the, into the wholesale, it was like, fuck, what are we gonna do? Like, we can sell the product, but we don't have enough capital to keep buying the product. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's something you've got to be aware of as well. In, in If you are thinking about going into, into wholesale, you've got to have some sort of capital to get to get behind you. Otherwise you will you will get caught out. And I never got taught that in 22 years in restaurants. Do you know what I mean? No one ever said, talk to me about cash flow and these kind of things. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting point that you need to look at to make sure that if you are going into wholesale or some sort of business in that area, that you understand that that's a big part of it, that business side. Does that make sense? Any questions on that? So what else was I going to say about about the small business? The other thing is finding. Go on, tell me, ask me. Sorry, how? How do do we manage it? Yeah. Yeah, so we manage it in a few ways. So we manage it. In a, in a, we we don't at the beginning we didn't take on two big clients. We couldn't give 30 days. But at the beginning we would try and get. Especially when I was saying about that deli, she paid COD, cash on delivery. Perfect. That's what you want. Cash on delivery is brilliant. Product cash, product cash, easy. So it's trying to get a, a mixture of supply um, customers that pay all different ways. Do you know what I mean? So big customers are never going to pay you seven days simply because they have got so many invoices coming in. They're never going to get round to processing your invoice within seven days like there's so many other things to do so let them all build up and then they'll pay them in 30 days or whatever it might be so it's like seven days end of month pretty good it sounds oh you've got to wait so long but on the same hand you get all your money on that date and they're normally big companies so they pay because you're the other problem you have is people not paying that's another big problem we spend a lot of time you send the product out you think you're just going to send the product out. And you think, oh well, I've sent the product out, so I'm going to get my money. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You need, you know, you need to have systems in place. Like Xero, for instance. I don't know if anyone's aware of the the, the software. It's called Zero. It's a really. It's from New Zealand, and it's a, an accountant software, which is pretty easy to use. Um, which will flag these things up it, it creates invoices and this kind of thing so yes yeah, it's it, it, right it's a it's a great thing zero it's called i'd love to spell it but i can't fucking barely spell my own name so um it's uh x something i don't know but yeah it's, it's accounting software and they'll they'll flag it up but because chasing money one of the first things people say to you when you get a new account because you all speak in the wholesale business you'll speak and you'll say are a good payers other good payers like you just think you wouldn't you think people just paid for what they got it's like you go into a restaurant and eating having dinner and then saying you know what I'll, I'll pay you next week and that happens all the time people send you a check the check will bounce you ring them so it may be like it might be 14 days after you've given the product the the, the check will bounce or they'll send you a check You're like, oh, I got the check but the che- check's not dated for another two weeks like these are things that really happen you know you've got to manage cash flow it's, it's an interesting, it's a real big learning experience to do that. And you, what you never want to do is get into the point where you've got the customers, but you don't have the capital. That's, that's then, then what you're gonna, then, you, then you're screwed. Do you know what I mean? It's a, real, it's a real hard time. So we use onions, cost-effective. Do you know, as simple as that, shallots. If I was in a restaurant in a, in a bit more of a, the old school when I was in, in the restaurant, we would use shallots but we use onions and that's a reality. We've got it, we're looking to save money where we can. Does this give the product, sometimes you can over deliver. Sometimes you don't need to over deliver with the product. It can be still really good, but you've still got to get them margins. Do you know, do you know what I mean? There's no point making it using shallots if the, if the product is good enough with onions. Why waste the money? Just the, the chicken livers, these are prepped. When we prep I've got more to prep later on for the, for the, for the terrine. We just take the green off, but we leave the fat. Again, it, t- it saves time. It's one of the, it's the reasons why we do it. The fat's fine in this, it's, 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 uh, it, it causes no problem because we pass it through the fine chinois. So why waste labor in prepping the livers when they, don't need to be, when they don't need to be prepped? You just take the green off and that probably saves us. How long does that save us, Tim, Dragon? Hours. Yeah, that takes us hours. We do 100 kilo of these livers a week, you know what I mean? It's like buckets and buckets and buckets of them. So if we can save that, it's time. You know, you're always trying to think about the time. And the other thing you want as well, you want to, um, you want to do is when you when you write your recipes you really want to make sure you get exactly the right so our, our recipes get us exactly the right amount of tray right amount of pate i could make myself look fucking stupid here watch this i won't have enough i'll have too much but we the, when we generally do the recipes it's all set up so we get exactly the right amount of jars give or take give or take a couple that you have exactly the right amount of Jars for pate because there's no point filling all the ovens and then having a litre of pate. Do you know what I mean? That, that You're just throwing money away. So we try, we write the recipes and alter the recipes as we get different pieces of equipment. So if we get another oven, which we did do not, not long ago, we got another oven, we need to then adjust the recipe that we got, we, we maximized everything. Because honestly, I cannot tell you how important wastage and, and wasting money like it, you just you can't afford it the margins do you know what the average margin is on a restaurant i guess anyone anyone how many
1: the margin the average margin on a, a how profit. how much would a restaurant make at the end of each uh week do you think as a percentage yeah what's that yeah
0: seven to eight seven, to eight, ten, eight, yeah. seven i would say somewhere in the region of five to fifteen that would yeah. be great you know yeah. so
1: you see that how you get exactly that one's a wee bit short if i'm completely honest, so. And the well, higher yeah. up the tree you go, so, uh, you know, the margin becomes smaller. You know? <laughs> we, have a, we have a saying in the industry, you know, you, you feed the rich, you eat with the poor. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. You know?
1: and, but if you, you know, want to make the poor, you eat with the rich, and it's a very similar thing, because the, the margin in a souvlaki business, is much greater than the margin in a three-star Michelin restaurant. It's and a- You make the transition from, you know, is it a, a natural thing for you to move from the kitchen to into the in business. business side and working on the business? Is it hard for you to do that? Or? No,
0: so I'll tell you something, right? I um, I used to, I've always wanted to be in a business and I, um, you know, everyone uses this word entrepreneur now, right, I'm fucking this up. Everyone uses the word entrepreneur at the moment. So, but the transition, I always want to be interested in business, but you know, yeah, I was selling stuff at school. I got expelled from school for selling, buying and selling stuff. You know, you could smoke it, but fucking hell, like, I <laughs> thought it would be all right. Do you know what I mean? But um, but, I, but it kind of got beaten out of me, the, the entrepreneurial thing. And then I was always interested in the money. I've, I've always been super interested in buying something, doing a process, and then selling it for more money. That's, you know, that's the, that's the key. This is a... You need to have insurances. I didn't even. So this is a true story. I didn't know about this. So you need business insurance, and then you need Worksafe. Does everyone know about this? Insurance. Yeah. So you need Worksafe. It's two kinds of insurance. I thought, being naive, you. Um, I thought business insurance would be enough, and it covered it. No, it didn't. Not. Then we had to get. Then we had to back pay. We had to go, when we found when we worked it out and they said, oh yeah, okay. So when did you start the business? They said, oh, like two and a half years ago. now how many employees have you got? Right, that seven and a half grand you was. I was like, no one's even claimed. Can we not just start from now? I said, no, you've got to start from back then. And seven and a half grand, seven and a half grand to anyone, do you know what I mean? Where's that brine? Brian. Um, we try and put ourselves in the market as a free range product. We use free range livers, free range back fat, free range pork, uh, butter from warnable.. Um, pistachios from australia so that's why we're a bit more of a premium a premium product so we set ourselves in the market a bit more expensive so yeah this is a, a, a free range pork from from Borodale, the farm called borrow it just won best pork and most tasty pork in australia best pork in australia I don't know if you know that it's a good it's a good it's a good product it's a good product for mass quantity don't there's levels do you know what i mean like no make no mistake uh bundara berkshire for instance is a better product So just because it says free range, it doesn't mean they're all on the same level. They can be on different levels of quality as well. So this is a, I would say this is a commercial free range. Still plenty of room and the rest of it, but the feed isn't as good. You know, these kind, they're not looked after as well as they would be on a small farm. Do you know what I mean? That's the reality. Um, But it's really important for us that we do. You need to know your prices as well, how much you're paying for things all the time. When you get out there, and you're going to be checking invoices all the time. You'll be the guys checking off the deliveries. Oh, I need that board for this. You'll be checking off the deliveries. You need to be looking at the prices all the time. Not just avocados, yes. Green beans, yes. Whatever, you need to be checking avocados, $4.50. Green beans, $9.95 a kilo. And as the season changes, the prices will change. And then you can be say to your head chef, chef, all oh, the, the, the green beans were nine seventy-five yesterday, and now the $13.50, are you aware of that? He'll be like, oh, fucking hell, this person's on the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, saving us money. He'll get on the thing and on the phone to the supplier and say, why have they gone up in price? And they'll say, oh, the season's changed. Well, you've got to let us know. You've got to give us some sort of notice. Let us change the menu. Let us react to that. Because if you're working on margins and that price goes up, you can't just change your prices on the menu. You might need to change the garnish or whatever it might be. So it's important. How much I need? 400 grams of guitar? Exactly,
1: Robbie. If you're you're working on uh, 7% margin, that's know, seven cents in the dollar you're returning if your prices are fluctuating just by five or six dollars a day e- easily sometimes. Your, your profit easily. margin is gone and if, and if you are overspending if you're overspending on your food if your if your food cost is supposed to be 20% and you're spending 22% and then you're spending the same on labor and your labor is supposed to be 20% and you're spending 22% exactly. that's 4% so there's four cents gone. So you end up with three per cent. So you're ending up with three cents in the dollar. It is so so easy it really to do is. your money in our business. And it's unbelievable. There is so many businesses we know where you're buying something for a dollar and they're selling it for fifty cents and they're wondering what's the problem. Yeah. They
0: say and it's the it's the, so it is, it's true. so true. Like they say it's that you can be the busiest business in the world going broke.
1: Yeah. It's as simple as that. Honestly you can't yeah. stress the, yeah. the importance of it like if you've got the wrong people in your kitchen doing the uh, purchasing, and it's as simple as if, if Robbie's said on the menu that it, the, the dish takes three prawns, because he's costed it beautifully, and it's three prawns, and then you've got the garmanger chef putting four prawns on because it looks better, which it does. Yeah, exactly, that happens, that happens all the time. Yeah, they put four on, boom, your margin's gone. So yeah. it is so, so important to be across the detail because our margins are tiny. Yeah. And in our, I would say across the world, it is the same deal, but in Australia, the labor cost yeah, and the cost of goods are the areas which really uh, make your business. Because you know, labor- My previous business, before I, I joined Atlantic, uh, before I joined the Bleu, I was with Atlantic Group, I was the executive chef, we were buying, I was b- buying millions of dollars worth of food products a year and if i was to go over by my one or two percent i would send the company broke because we were working on six percent return so six cents in the dollar was returned to the to the customer to to atlantic group and if i was not on my margin i would easily it would be zero and you can imagine doing work if, for example, you go and do the Grand Prix and you're cooking for two and a half thousand people and then you come back with no money because we've done the poor margins <laughs> yeah. and it's so easy to do, so you've got to be really careful, you can work so hard for nothing.
0: Exactly, so yeah. honestly,
1: I can't stress it enough and I'm, yeah. I'm learning this more and more, that's why I'm stressing it more and more. We can't stress enough, particularly in our, as young entrepreneurs moving into the business your margin is so important and the better the margin, of course, Where's the healthier the, your business the sheet and the healthier here. you're going to grow over time, you know, so, you know, don't be shy to talk about the profit. Free range pancetta, we use a company called Salumi Australia,
0: um, a small artisan, are you going to say, this is our plate? Yeah, you're right on. Um Small artisan, again, manufacturing size, they've been, they've been growing over the years, it's a really good company You see them. Salumi Australia, they're a really good, really good company. Again, we've measured this. So this is 21 centimetres. Each one of these is 21 centimetres. Cause that means when, when, we, when we build it, did you put that in the fridge? Sorry. The, the mint, did you put it in? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when we build them, 21 centimetres goes in round and then wraps over, no wastage. You'll see. Imagine being a small goods company that makes hams and, and hams and, and and prosciuttos and pancettas and the rest of it, and we are talking about cash flow at the beginning. Do you remember the cash flow? Imagine if you got to cure some heart, sort of parma ham or whatever for 26 months or 24 months or 18 months or whatever, and then you can then you start selling it, and then, but by then how many times have you how much more have you got to do to keep that stock levels to be curing? Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a real that's a real art as well. So we don't go right to the, to the end because we trim we trim the um the terrine. We trim the ends off the terrine anyway. So we might so what's the point in putting it at the end if you're going to trim it off anyway? Oh, by touch. Yeah, it, we do it's, we haven't really cuz it changes cuz as it comes as the pancetta gets closer, you need to put more weight on it. You know what I mean? As it's bigger. So it's just that it doesn't want to be it doesn't want to be too thin because you can't peel it off, but it, it doesn't want to be too thick. You know when you get them terrines, and I'm not bagging anyone else, where you get that thick bacon. Man, that just looks cheap, do you know what I mean? In my view. That's my view. But any other people might think it looks it will great. It'll
1: be about two mil thick, do you think? Three? About one. Let's yeah.
0: say one. Let's go one mil. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can read through it slightly. This is a
0: great this is a great product. I, 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 I really love working with this company. We've worked with them for near enough from the beginning. They're a, they're a fantastic company. And well, we're you know, always- how
1: important o- is it to uh, have a good relationship with your suppliers?
0: Yeah, honestly, paying your bills. Like I was saying, paying your bills. Say, say we're short one day, and we have people that don't pay the bills. Again, this is, again, about, that's enough. Creating the, having a good relationship. If we're short, let's just say we, you know, you ring up and say, I've missed my order. This happens weekly. You know, I, I forgot to order my pate. If you're not a good payer, we're like, oh, unfortunately, you're going to miss it. I can't do it. Oh, yeah, but my customers need it. It's a weekend. It's public holiday. We don't have it. Do you know what I mean? Unfortunately, you missed it. If you're a good payer, we'll probably take it off someone who's a who's a, uh, a bad payer, I'll be honest, <laughs> and be like, you know. And that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Oh, there's another one there, sorry. Wastage. Hmm. And what we do is, in the, in the kitchen, we build them up in, in batches of eight, because we make them in batches of eight. That's how much the mixer makes. We make these in batches of eight, put them in the thing, and we fold them like this, fold them like that, and then we cry back them. And we will hold them on plas. And we do, we try and rotate it. So we try and do like riet one week, chickens, Riette chickens, because they're big jobs. And then every now and again, we'll do a batch of these, and we'll do 120. We'll just stand there 120 doing them believe it or not, this is the size of the mixer that I started, started the business on. And I started it with a mixer like this that my wife bought me for my birthday and my mincer I got from Aldi. It's true. $50 mincer from Aldi. still in storage. Yeah, we've, I've, I've kept it. So when we've got a multi-million dollar company, I want to get that mincer and I want to put it in a cabinet and say, this is where we started from. It's still in storage. Tim just said that. It's still in storage. It's true. Okay, another tip. I learned this next tip off YouTube. Now you can see it fits perfect. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, how long do you got the business? Um, so we've had the business five years, we've had the premises nearly two years, and we, we worked in, in a shared kitchen, three different shared kitchens for <coughs> three years, is that right? Three and five, Three and two is five, yeah, yeah. that's about right. But anyway.
1: And um, how, many, how many products you got?
0: Say that again? Yeah. How, how many products you got?
1: We many different produce. We've
0: got, I think, we've got nine, eight tureens, two pâtés, one rillette, pickles, chutney, pickled onions, and that's all we really wholesale. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but we've got, we're doing a game tureen, and let me just wash my hands two seconds. We um, we're going to we're going to start doing a game tureen. Is everyone aware of the situation of the game in Victoria? I only learnt this the other day. So in Victoria. They've declassified venison, does everyone know that? So it's gone, it's gone to vermin. So you can shoot as many venison as you want, as many. You can go out there, if you can shoot you can shoot 100 and just leave them, you know, no problem whatsoever, no tags, no nothing. But you can't sell them. You can't sell them. The only venison you can buy is farm venison. So we have an abundance of venison in Victoria, like so much venison, but you can't use it. It's, ridi- it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's a stupid way, like in England, you no, know, because England's great. No, that's a that's a that's a, total, that's a lie. A total like, but like in England, you know, you go up to Scotland and they shoot them as game. You know, they make money for shooting them, so they can reinvest that money into the um, into the estates and the rest of it, and then also then they sell them on, so it gets used. So it's you know carbon footprint, all these kind of all these things. Why? farm something when it's already there it just doesn't make any sense but yeah i only found that out recently because we want to do a game one of venison wet venison and wild boar so i am um, yeah i started doing research and i found that out so this is truffle and i'm always going on about the money and it looks like i'm real greedy but i'm not where's that knife this is, again, truffle. We use a company called Friend and Borough. I don't know if you're aware of them. They're the biggest, probably the biggest truffle supplier in Victoria. And we buy, you know, you get the, the, the this is truffle trim. So it's still great truffle, but like, if it's got a little, a little bit in there where someone's had a little bit of it, it's totally fine, edible, 100% fine. It's been looked after, right? You know, all the, going through all the processes. But chefs don't want that. Because they want the nice big chunk to go at the table and the rest of it, yeah, and shave it at the table and all the rest of it. Exactly. So what do they do with that? I buy it off them. That's what. I, that's what they do. So we buy that in like. I think we bought. I bought 24 kilos of him. In think Pardon. This one is French Italian. No, no. This one is Australian. Australian, yeah. Australian truffle. There's no one else on the market using fresh truffle like that in terrines. you know what I mean? At uh, nine dollars a slice or whatever, it's it's a. Uh, you've got to be smart. To, it's like you use use your money wisely. You know. Okay, so oh shelf life testing. Does everyone, anyone does anyone does anyone know about shelf life testing? We've always got stuff in the lab, always. So, what you do, this is what happens, right? You, you get you get you find your product. This is this is how it, it, the whole thing works. You uh, you create a product, a pate, what a terrine, right? Then you then you, you get the recipe right. You make the recipe, then then you you, you get in touch with a a shelf life testing, like a, a lab, we call it the lab. Then you make one and then you cut it, then you cut hundred and fifty gram portions for as many tests as you want. So let's say you want four tests. At the beginning I, I got four tests and I got like they always take one for the initial test, always. So, like, they'll say, When did you make that? I made it on Monday. They collect it on Tuesday. They test it on, on, on Wednesday. So, then they'll see the bacteria count. That's the initial, um, the initial count of the bacteria. Then they'll test it after week one. Then, if you say, they'll do whatever you want. So, you say, Test it after week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, whatever it might be. Each one of them tests, they char- charge you for. So, now we know, are they all right? Yeah, now they know, just clean that air with the gun, so we can oh, get rid of it. Yeah, system. perfect. Um, now now we know it, we already get eight weeks, so we don't even start, we do the initial, and then we don't start to like six, and then we do eight, and then we do 10, then we do 12. And then they'll give you the reading of, of what of what bacteria they found in there, and that's how you go, get your shelf life testing. We all the time, we have stuff in there just for your HACCP and, and your different things. We, we have to swab the kitchen, once every three weeks, because we've just got HACCP recently, another leak in there. We just got HACCP recently, so every three weeks we've got to go around, swab the kitchen, send that off to the lab. So there's a lot of, a lot of process it, it, is in, in that as well, you know, and make sure you've got the HACCP. Do you know what HACCP is mate? The Hazard Analysis? Yeah, exactly. Another nightmare thing about um, wholesale is you've got to build your business around Christmas. So we can go out there and find, find as much business as you want. Um, yeah, as much business as you want, January, well, like March, April, May, June, July, easy. We can just keep pumping it, pumping it, pumping it. But then what happens at Christmas when your, your business quadruples, do you know? And Which it will do, just, do you know what I mean? So you've got to be ready all the time, f- considering all the time, how are you going to get through Christmas? Do you know Do you know? Because you sell so much more in that time so you need the refrigeration space so you've got to almost it's it's really frustrating in an ideal world you would be able to build your business over the year you could spread it out over the year do you know what i mean and it would be quite consistent but it just doesn't work like that Shall and then
1: Bobby, yes you work in the kitchen, it's, as compared to the wholesale business that you're into right now is there less pressure or more pressure
0: um Eh, is there less pressure or more pressure? It's different, you know, it's definitely different. There's no two ways about it. Service, there's no pressure. And that's probably what you miss, you know, the service side of things. But you can never underestimate the responsibility of owning your own business. That's, everyone, I want to own my own business. I want to own my own business. You know, that sounds such a great idea, but people forget the responsibility. People are coming to work for you. They're coming to work for you with their career for many different reasons, many reasons. Maybe financial, maybe it's the hours. Maybe it's, it's it's the training, whatever it might be. They might leave somewhere. They might move somewhere. They might give up a good job. There's a lot. To, these responsibilities you've got to take incredibly seriously. So that that pressure of making the business grow, keeping the staff motivated. Do you, do you, that's that. Where if you're in a restaurant, we just change the menu. On, you know, it's spring. Let's get you know. Let's get asparagus in. Let's get peas in. It's summer. Let's get tomatoes in. We just can't be spontaneous like that, you know? It's really difficult to be spontaneous and just do menus because we've got to do all them processes. We've got to get a label done. We've got to get the HACCP done. We've got to get the shelf life tested. We've got to get, there's so many things. A lot of repetition, it's a whole nother skill. And that mindset, it takes a long time. And that's more of a manufacturing mindset. Like, again, it's more of a mindset when you're in them big kitchens, it's more about repetition. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? It's the same as an athlete. Yeah, exactly. Like an athlete, let's say an athlete. You want to be, oh, I want to be an athlete, but are you prepared to do the sprints? Everyday sprints, everyday sprints, everyday sprints. It sounds great until you're like, I'm sick of doing fucking sprints. Well, then you're not ready to do this. I'm, you know what I mean? Like it's the same as peeling peas, peeling peas. I don't want to peel peas. Well, then you're not ready for this. Do you know what I mean? and that's what it's like at the at the top level i don't want to pick i don't want to pick personally for four hours like, well you
1: have so many young chefs who want to go and work at the fat talk i want to work at the three star Michelin restaurants but they don't realize that they have one task to do yeah and they'll have that one task to do for the whole, the whole season
0: yeah you might not learn anything seriously you might not learn much you really might not there's a lot of chefs out there that have gone and worked there especially in Europe, gone and work there, worked at El Bully, worked at these restaurants. And you know what, the burnt, I don't want to say burnt out, but they've had enough of that lifestyle and they just go and work at a great gastro pub. You go and work for him and he'll teach you, you know, how to tunnel bone, how to tie, how to break, you know, how to reverse bone. There's heaps of stuff he'll teach you how to do. Make sauces, reductions, utilizing produce. These kind of things, that you're not, you're not going to learn at, the, at them top restaurants, but he's already learned that and he'll just pass that on, do you know what I mean? So the top restaurants are not always the restaurants to go to. You'd be surprised, honestly. I don't know if anyone's ever worked there, you'd be seriously surprised how, how much you don't learn until you get to the a top level and you might get into the production side or the, you know, the, 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 you're lucky enough to get into the, where they design the menus and things, you know, then, then that's great. Yeah, buddy. The how do we package vacuum so we pack. yeah we vacuum pack them we vacuum pack them um or at 99.9 percent vacuum suck so like I said at the beginning 12 weeks we get 12 weeks we give it we we give ourselves eight sit and then eight and then t- well ten then eight and then six and six and that gives us a bit of room one of the reasons we do that is for Christmas like I was saying at the beginning that building up with Christmas We'll start making terrines for Christmas in the middle of November, because we just can't make the volume. It's impossible to make the volume. We just need, we'll go into Christmas. How many did we go into Christmas with It was like, oh. do, do you remember? 500, something Five like 500 of these, three three kilo logs, 500, something along those, like hundreds of hundreds, because we're just plowing through them. The last the last two weeks before Christmas, that like, the first and the second week before Christmas, not not the last week, cause there's only three weeks in December really for us. Do you know what I mean? Because it, you, the, the last week, we, we, it's like, it's Christmas. No one's buying, you know what I mean? Everyone's bought all the stuff. So them last two weeks, we got half a ton of pork delivered on both, on both deliveries. Half a ton. It's a lot of pork. Half a ton of pork, yeah. It's a lot of pork to be processing. Two boys, two boys, Tim mainly to be fair to him out and we were doing like 200 chickens it's a it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of pork to be breaking down so yeah i had some points i want to make let me see if i've got see if i've still got them. um do you know the do you know about the 80 20 has anyone heard about the 80 20 yeah that, I, that's another thing i, I learned quite re- recently is 20 percent of your products will bring, bring you 80 percent of your revenue so you've got to make sure that definitely them 20%, you can afford to have lost leaders, do you know what lost leaders are? So, the, where the margins that we're talking about aren't as great, but you're only going to sell... So we do a smoked salmon terrine, and we sell like 100 slices a week, something like that, it's not much. We don't push it, it's just for some, speci- some butchers that want to have a fish option, it's basically who we sell them to. And um but we don't make much money on it. It's, it's, it but we only sell a hundred a week, so it's not the end of the world. You put the pistachio and the chicken and the rest of it, the, the the three products. Basically the pistachio, the chicken and the pate is where we make the money. And that's the volume that we're making. So you've got to make sure that their ones are right. Which one do you sell the most, Chef? The most? The most, like your star. Per slice or per key? Oh, it's really close. It, the chicken of a pate, we sell a lot, a lot, a lot. But the and the one you would say is the star. terrine. oh, far out. Um, this one we get the most praise for. Yeah, the, the chicken. The chicken we get heaps of praise for. Everyone's, you know, it's pretty technical. There's a lot of work in there. It's wrapped in its own skin. We utilize all the, you know, it really ticks all the boxes of mo- this modern-day cooking. The pistachio is like for everyone. It's like a classic bistro-style tureen that everyone's, everyone knows. But the pate is, hopefully, is it anywhere near? It's close. <laughs> um, yeah, that, the pate is, is pretty special. It's, it, it, everyone says it's really, it's amazing. It's, it's nearly set and then you can have any. Any more questions? The great thing about wholesale business and restaurant business I wanted, I wanted to mention is the fact that wholesale business, you can go out and get your own business. You, you can go out and get your own business. So if you, need, if you need more business, so I would say you take on a new staff member. want you to take on, you know, you build business, you take on a new staff member. It's in increments, right? You build your business up to here, and you're making good money, but then you need to take this new staff member on, you know, it's gonna cost you 60, 80, whatever grand it is. And then you're gonna plateau. You're not gonna make any money because you get that thing in that staff member in or someone leaves and you've got to get get someone else in and they're more expensive whatever it might be but you can always go out and get business your fridge breaks you can always go and knock on doors do you want my tureen put reps on your wife you can go and do it your wife whoever's working for you can go out and get business generate the business if you're a restaurant you're sat there like a duck do you know what i mean just hoping when you open the doors that people you can use social media you can use marketing but it's a it's a tough game out there in the restaurant, in the actual restaurant business, do you know what I mean? Where at least in wholesale you can go and get the business. I think it's, I, think it's the, I honestly think that um, my view is, in, especially in Australia, the wage cost in, in Australia is incredibly high. I don't know if you're aware of that. By the hour, it's a huge, like in England, it, 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 there's no, um, they're still paying people for 38 hours and working them 75 in England. That's just common. Like that is so common, it's unbelievable. And um, no wonder they've got successful restaurants. It's, you know, it's pretty simple to do it with that, with that formula. Where here the wage cost is so high, and the restaurants are getting drilled for it. Like, a couple more that have been done for it as well. So everyone's getting really tight on hours and wages and all this kind of thing. So I really think that the, the, the new way is going to have to be you're going to have to buy more in. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be able to pay the staff for wastage and this, that, and the other. So I really believe wholesale in the, in the refined area is going to be the next my view just you know one man's view is that's going to be a big part of the next generation of catering and restaurants is to buy more of the product in back in the day you used to you used to buy an animal in right you used to buy i'm going to buy a lamb you got the farm the farmer you buy a lamb you break the lamb down yourself you sell all the parts that's how it worked then someone went well hang on a minute i'll just get that and i'll break that down i'll just send you sell you the loin and i'll sell you the the belly and i'll sell you the leg and i'll sell you and that was that's how butchers come about and i think just over time now i think it's going to be the next it's going to evolve into i'll buy my sauce from you i'll buy my charcuterie from you i'll buy my sous vide duck breast from you I'll buy, and that's how we're because they're not going to be able to afford to run the restaurants if it keeps going like this and the wages it's just nearly it's nearly impossible to make money that's just my view talk about your podcast? What's in there? oh my podcast is called cooking the box thank you very much <laughs> I'll hook you up later. Um, so yeah, the podcast is called Cooking the Books. and we um, yeah, we Tom was on it recently. We've got Terry Laybourne, our old our old boss, is on it. We get we just get people who are in the industry, but not just chefs. We get all kinds of people. So we had Josh Nick, uh, Josh Berry, who was the the food director of the Australian Open, for instance. He's on this this year. We've got Tom Anglesey, who was on Great British Menu this year. We've got there's some big, there's a couple of big names. I can't really say, but some three hat chef in Melbourne. That's in the top 50. He's on this year Um you might be on that board. Yeah. Um, he's on this year. Yeah. He's on who else? Have we got? Who else has been on like, um, oh, Alice. Alice, is a, she's an ex-teacher, really good girl, really good lady. She's, a, she's an ex-teacher in a private school. She, got, she was on MasterChef, and she's, she's created this programme called Phenomenon, which is a programme for teachers to use in schools to educate kids into vegetables. So instead of just doing... Um, for instance, instead of counting with building blocks, one, two, three building blocks, you use carrots or you use cabbages. Or instead of using, like, a pie chart, just a normal pie chart, you use an apple pie. So it's just introducing more vegetables and things into children's uh, repertoire and, and getting them used to vegetables. So she's on there. There's, yeah, heaps of people's on there. Sam Canning, who was from Canning's Butchers, Free Range Butchers here in Melbourne. Lots of people, yeah. But, yeah, it's, check it out. Five star it, give it a great comment. You know, you know it works. You know, you know the system. Don't listen to the first one. Yeah, yeah. Tim's on it. Yeah, Tim's on it. Zach Nicholson, the head chef from Rockpool. Does everyone listen to podcasts? Does anyone listen to podcasts? Not mine. It's all right. I'm not. It's all right. I get it. It's fine. Well, if you got this far, you must have semi enjoyed it. So, thanks for listening. I hope you did enjoy it, and it wasn't just in your car being played and you just couldn't be asked changing the channel. So yeah, appreciate it. No, if you did enjoy it, tell a friend. And if you get chance, leave a review. Like I always say, I definitely wouldn't leave a review because I'm a lazy fucker and it's not my style to leave reviews like that. But what I would do is give a five star or a three star or a two star. But if you're feeling semi generous and you got a tiny bit of interest out of this and you thought, you know what, that wasn't bad. Wasn't bad for someone who hasn't got a fucking clue what they're doing. I'll give that brother a five star. If you do that, I'll be stoked. Thanks very much. Till next week, have a good one.